Welcome to the Dylan Experience. This is episode 26. I'm your host, Dylan Sessler, and I've got a special guest for you today. Um, but before we get into that, make sure that you're subscribed on the YouTube channel. If you're listening to this on Spotify or some other podcast, go ahead and follow. Um, and yeah, my next guest, uh, super excited about this one. My next guest is a mom, a stepmom, a comedian, and I think what she's best known for right now probably not always in the future. We'll see where she goes. Um, a father's rights advocate. She has accumulated over 550,000 followers on TikTok in 50,000 in the last couple of days or whatever. Um, and with multiple videos reaching over 5 million views, my guest today is Lauren, aka the dadvocate. Lauren, how Thank are you? you? Thank you for having me, Dylan. I'm doing so well. I always say chilling like a champion as usual. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So Lauren, tell me, start with your story. Just tell me everything about how you became, you know, TikTok famous, you know, yeah. yeah. Just tell me, <laughs> tell me things. All right. Yeah. Let's, I'll try to give you the spark notes version. Right. <laughs> so I will tell you my first video that I published was published on November 28th of 2021. So wow. roughly two months ago. And the way it came about was I, I really had never used TikTok. Any of my friends will tell you I was the worst at getting sent to TikTok in the group chat and never opening it. Cause I'm like, I don't know what that is. That's, I don't know what that is. And my husband was on it and he makes videos about dungeons and dragons. So completely different thing, Right. But he was getting like 250 views per video. And I was like, wow, you're like TikTok famous. Look at you. <laughs> And so I had this idea, you know, okay, so it's good for these niche audiences, right? Now I've been a stepmom for a really long time and, you know, I'll get a little bit into that, but some of these issues that fathers face watching what my husband has gone through all these years, you know, we both moved 250 miles across the state to be half a mile away from his son, right? Like he has since the beginning from the birth been there trying to be as available for his son as possible and like after all these years watching him still struggle to get any more than being an every other weekend dad and watching how every single time he goes into a courthouse just to take care of a simple matter of like changing some basic paperwork to the way he's treated as a father who happens to be on child support you know with just like he's a piece of trash it always burned me up for years and years and so here i was like you know what if i made a couple of videos about this just talking about what it's like and getting some some of these guys ready for what they might have to face you know if you're a single father out there and to my surprise it really took off and people Love. started paying attention <laughs> yeah. right away and the, the more it kept happening, I, I started making more videos kind of responding to certain things. Like one of the first questions someone asked was, wait, did you say something about how you could have to pay for a child, even if it's proven that they're not biologically yours? And I'm like, of course you do. You didn't, you guys didn't know. This. And you know, there's, there's so much stuff that I feel like people grow up their whole lives and they think, well, if people do separate, it's gotta be fair. They probably just split everything pretty evenly. And then, you know, few of us 
peripherally or directly get thrust into the situation mm -hmm. and you figure out real quickly that it is quite a different story with very archaic systems that do not line up with the way modern society lives, behaves, what realistic needs are. And quite frankly, even though it's a father's issue right now, it's very, very, very quickly becoming a women's issue because yeah. as the world becomes dual income, these archaic systems are not going to just be mom and dad. It's going to be whoever's the highest earner. Yeah. It's interesting. It's very interesting. Cause I, I followed you. I think, I think in December is, is my guess. Um, and it's amazing how fast you've blown up. Like that's, that's insane. Like I've been on for two years and I just hit 550. and you're, I mean, you did it in what, three, four months. It's crazy. I mean, it's, I, it's incredible. I have to say I have been obsessed with trying to learn as much as I can about it. So I've learned so much about the algorithms, yep. the metrics. Um, there are some theories that I have actually gone out and confirmed. Like there was one that I read that said that your first seven posts that you make on TikTok are the most critical in establishing your algorithm and how much you're pushed into other people's algorithms. And they say that if you don't take off or build any consistent following in those seven videos, you might as well delete your whole account. And I went through and I started like piecing people's together. And it's true enough, the people who really took off like your account, yes, I looked. And like your first seven videos, very consistent. Like you had your idea down and what you wanted to do. But the people who are all over the place, they're like, you might as well just delete the whole thing. And I was like, that yeah. might be true. There's probably people who are like, all right, I'll just delete it right now. Yeah. <laughs> If you went all the way back to my, my beginning, man, that was like, that, that was, I was two, just watching YouTube. That was two <laughs> years ago, uh, two years ago. And that was January of 2020. Yeah. January of 2020. I had no idea what I was doing. Right. Like me either. And, and when I, <laughs> when I started to kind of figure things out, I think it was like, probably like, I took a break. I think I took a break from in like February and I didn't touch it and then came back to it in like nice. March and April and just, I, you know, started crushing it. Um, but it's, TikTok is a very interesting beast of a, I, of a social I think the platform. algorithm is so cool. The way that it thrusts accounts into the spotlight that may never have otherwise found their way there. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. All the time. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Um, it is very difficult, I will say, to cross-platform Yes. Um, <laughs> like if you compare, cause I'm, I'm trying now to put more long form content onto YouTube. Yep. Um, I made this little Instagram, but they're widely different. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's cause, cause like Instagram and this is, this is turning into a social media discussion, but I know, <laughs> but like going, taking TikTok videos and putting them on Inst Instagram, Instagram automatically just suppresses them because they have the TikTok, like what, what is that, that code? Um, wow, watermark. Right. Yeah. And then I don't know how, I don't know if YouTube shorts does that, but like everybody's copying TikTok, but nobody's letting TikTok rain anymore. Like. And rightly know, so I get know. it. I get both sides. <laughs> right. But you know, I, it was interesting because I like going back to all those metrics and piecing it back into the father's rights advocacy. I feel like the username was a great 
oh, part yeah. of that. Cause I was sitting on the username for like three weeks before ever making a video or doing anything really yeah. with it. And so I feel like simply being the dadvocate kind of, it's enough to like, okay, that's exactly what you are. There's no question now that there's some element of this that's going to be here. And I, I was trying to piece together, you know, what could it be that's launching all this? And there's the nuanced audience bit, but I think part of it is the fact a huge edge to the sword here is that there are not women speaking about this issue. And I think that makes all the difference because when men are saying like there are real issues with the way child support is calculated or there's real issues with the way that parenting time is determined, people are just like, oh my God, you're just trying to get out of paying this mom who's doing a great job taking care of your kids. Get out of my face. But then when you have me, a biological mother who is telling you that man should be seen as an equal parent to the child you know, past a certain age, what can't the man provide that you can't also provide? Right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) That, you know, my, my biggest question for, for you, because I don't, I don't get a ton of hate, right. I don't get a ton of like disagreements with my content because it's very focused on trying to like help people. Right. And so (laughs) there's, there's not a whole lot of like hating me because I'm helping people or anything like that, but your issue is very controversial. And so how do you, you know, and I don't know how much hate you get or, you know, disagree, disagreement, but how do you deal with that? Or how do you like, what, what do you deal with in terms of hate? What do you deal with in terms of, um, you know, kind of give me a, a full picture of what do you deal with in terms of comments, in terms of messages of like, do people disagree with you? Do people hate you? Do like, what's it like <laughs> being the advocate? I will say this. I, my whole life have had this way of really disarming people when they come at me ready mm-hmm. to hate. You know, I have this way of making it a little bit difficult because here's the thing. One thing I've found is you might think that being a father's rights advocate and saying things like men deserve to be advocated for might make a lot of women who are like, whoa, 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 what? You know, hold the phone here, angry. Fact of the matter is I have found that most women who are really listening to what I'm saying do agree. And the only ones who end up taking an issue with the things that I'm saying are the guilty dogs barking the loudest, (laughs) quite frankly, (laughs) because I, at no point in my content, do I attack mothers? Why would I, or women? Why would I, right? I criticize a very specific type of mother and a very specific type of woman who gender indiscriminate, we can all agree, (laughs) is not a great model for the way we want our children to be growing up in. And that's the alienating mother, right? The one who, you know, withholds time in order to try to get more child support. Um, The one who says abusive statements to their child, like your father doesn't want you. The things that people don't want to believe a loving mother would ever do. And yet these are issues that not only the parents of these children are facing, but of course, what the children are facing. Right. Yeah. I mean, 
it's interesting because like because trauma's trauma, right? And when you when you look at the issues between men and women, right? Like a lot of a lot of what you see is um women talking about male narcissists, right? Uh, you know, if you if if at least that's what my TikTok looks like, right? Like I'm a I'm probably on a very very interesting portion of TikTok. Um that's what I see. It's when we have the discussion about narcissism and abuse, it's mostly like I would say 90, 95% focused on males abusing females. And that is, that's always a, a very interesting thing to look at now, because I, I know that's not necessarily true, but, you know, tell me, what do you think about that in terms of why do, why do more men not speak out about these things or why are they not heard? So there are so many reasons to that. And it's something that people don't really think about because one thing that we as women talk about with each other all the time is that abuse is not only physical. Abuse can be so emotional. Well, guess what? Because of that, we as the weaker traditionally gender as women are just as capable of emotional abuse. And a lot of these systems where men know that if they go the path of divorce or they go the path of separation, they may completely lose their child. It's keeping them in abusive relationships. And, you know, I'm sure you've covered this on the podcast before, but there are no shelters for men. There are no support groups for divorcing men, really, not like there are for women. Women are more often offered financial aid mm -hmm. in separations, for example. And look, we can all agree, you know, I hate to make things about money, but I think we all agree we're much more depressed when we don't have money, if we're not financially yeah. stable. And what we tend to find is if you really look into the legal ease of these family court systems, it's always, you know, the system is designed for the financial st stability of the custodial parent. And it's like, well, well, what about the financial stability of the non-custodial parent? Because the child still needs them. Why is it that, you know, if they're in dire straits, instead of offering them any kind of support, we put them in jail. I mean, how is he supposed to get caught up on his child support if, You've put him in jail if you've suspended his license. All things that happen all the time. Yeah. And like I said, right now, it's a father's issue. It's a men's issue. But more and more, as the courts start recognizing different dual income situations, we are seeing women being put in jail for being behind on child support. And how is that? you know, parallel to all the movement that we've made as feminists coming here. And we have to look at this and say, well, then we need to start extending that feminism to men as well and getting them out of these systems so that no one has to deal with this moving forward. Explain to me your concept of feminism, because I think over the past few years, or I should say decade, I think that term is quite open for interpretation if i if i am it is kind of 
trying to to kind of step into this lightly, right? Like I think that I think feminism has taken a lot of different turns in a lot of different places recently, where there's people that agree with the old definition, the new definition, are creating new definitions. So what is yours? To me, you know, I like to just kind of sit back on the basis of, you know, to me, feminism is basically treat people the way you want to be treated. <laughs> At the end of the day, I feel like, you know, there's no reason that we shouldn't be given the same opportunities as everyone around us. And that's the world we should be building to. I understand that there are, you know, more in-depth and broad analyses of feminism, such as the difference between equality and proper equity distribution, right? right? There's a lot to be said for that. But keeping in mind that the ultimate goal is, you know, legal and social equality, we can only expect that eventually that will lead to carrying the same financial responsibilities, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we look at systems that used to be geared toward only men, like child support, alimony, we as women kind of have to ask ourselves, do, do we want to maybe start helping the men fix these before it catches up to us? Yeah. Because let's be real. I mean, again, these systems were designed in like the 1950s when like women couldn't even work. And now obviously the workplace is reliant on us. You know, I'm sure any woman listening to the podcast right now knows they simply cannot just call into work tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, they, they need them. Um, and a lot of us are starting to out earn our male companions. A lot of us are out earning our partners that we've chosen for parenthood. And we have to ask ourselves, well, if things go south, am I okay with paying him 50% of my income for the next 18 plus however years? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, what do you, what do you think is, <laughs> you know, when, when you look at it and, you know, you're talking about fixing it for eventually women who, who step into that, that situation, what do you think is, are some of the major, like, the critical issues with things like child support and alimony and how they're, how they're separated. Like if there were, if there were some things that were consistent across States, cause obviously every state's a little bit different. Um, what would, what would those things be that are crushing or detrimental to, you know, people? So I think the number one thing, and again, like you said, some people find this very controversial, but, I do believe in the presumption of shared physical custody, which is a lot of people don't fully understand how custody works. There's a big difference between legal custody and physical custody. And legal custody is the ability to determine things like um, medical and school. For some people, this is a really big deal. Um, so it really depends. But physical custody is that time, that ability to see your child. Mm -hmm. And that is the part where it seems like across the board, no matter how much fathers are paying, they're really not getting that time, that physical custody. 
right? I understand why a lot of courts choose to just give one parent ultimate legal decision-making because it's kind of like a trolley problem, right? It's we either give one person executive decision-making or we potentially put the child at every single battlefield of decision-making. Right. Let's just King Solomon it real quick. I kind of get that. But for physical custody, there was a compilation of 40 different studies that was dropped by the Department of Education. And it found that when children spent 50% of their physical time between parents, they excelled in every category, less aggressive, better grades, more emotional stability, better relationship with both parents. There was a lot to be said for that. Was Is that in opposition to spending 70%, spending 20%? Like what, yes. what was that in opposition to? Was that yeah, like- they it's amazing. If you look at it, it's um like I said, published by the Department of Education by Linda Nielsen. Okay. Uh, they really went across all kinds of cultural backgrounds, so many different schedules. Let's say like four days on, three days on, three days on, four days on, two weeks on, two weeks off, all kinds of different schedules. And they measured across so many different categories. You'll see it. It's like a spreadsheet of like grades sports involvement, interaction with the law, things like that. They really went deep. And and overwhelmingly, they found that children thrived when getting to spend that equal time. And I think that there are so many criminalizations and punishments for fathers when they fall behind on child support, which don't get me wrong, of course you need to support your child. No question there. But you can't do that if you can't drive your car and you can't do that if you're in jail. Mm -hmm. So we need to rethink some of those laws. And while, you know, the failure to pay is so criminalized, if one parent says, you know what, I'm not going to agree with our parenting time and you're not going to see the child, there's really no recourse. The police will not do anything. Yeah. They can just get away with that. And there's really no punishment for that right now. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's hard because there's, there's, there's situations in which it's justified and there's situations in which it's not justified. Right. And, and that's a, um, that's a parental decision of, you know, and, and it, it's such a difficult discussion, right? It's such a difficult thing to have that discussion about because we're talking about people making judgment calls and parents will get them wrong. And parents will, some parents will get them wrong. Some parents will get them right as to withholding the, the children physically from either seeing mom or dad, right? It can go both ways. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it, it is interesting, you know, I'm a step parent as well. Um, it is really interesting to see the, the physical versus legal kind of custody um, kind of play out and, and how difficult that can be to both organize uh, as well as uh, kind of manage the, you know, it, it's interesting to see the management of it in terms of the child, right? Um, for, for me, that's always been one of the, one of the things that has, has been very interesting is watching how children actually, 
look at this situation and how, you know, how prevalent it is now, like you and I, we grew up in, in situations where, uh, it was, it was probably more rare for us to have those divorced parents. Um, I think the nineties kind of started that trend of, of kind of playing the 50, 50 custody game, um, a little bit more, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I feel like, you know, this is just my anecdote of life of like, that's when I started to recognize it. Um, but it's, 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 again, it's really hard to kind of figure out how to make a judgment call, because I don't think a lot of parents are really prepared, you know, when they do have a divorce and certainly they're definitely not prepared emotionally to make judgment calls and everything probably looks like to, to women looking at men, it probably looks like abuse and to men looking at women, it probably looks like manipulation, right? Like that, that seems to be where the, the conversations kind of, um, centralize in terms of both, both sides, but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is interesting because one of the, I guess, kind of results and outcomes of me broaching this topic on a platform such as TikTok, which has so many young audiences, yeah. is that we are now hearing from the youth on this topic and what it's yeah. like. And you were going to say something? <laughs> no, I, like, you're right. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> you're, you're striking I'm I'm really interested to hear what you have to say right now because you're you're striking at like the core of the topic, right? Like how did youth actually look at the situations that happened in the 90s? Like there's millennials that dealt with this and now are actively engaged in this, you know? Yeah. So it's it's yeah, keep going. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, I was like, <laughs> I had to know. But it's interesting because there are, when I first started kind of broaching the subject as well as of like, oh, well, I believe that 50-50 shared parenting is best and kind of hearing how some of the youth came out and they were like, well, these are the things that I didn't like about it. And these are things that I did like about it. And so there were different things that I ended up learning and kind of, you know, challenging my own thoughts on and, you know, thinking to myself, like, am I approaching that topic the right way? You know, even though that's the way I was looking at it as just a parent, now I'm getting kind of a different perspective. Whereas like, for example, what I ended up learning was it wasn't necessarily that they didn't want the 50-50. It's that some people work differently. So for some people, they were like, I hated week on week off. I would rather have had two weeks on and two weeks off. And it's little things like that. And so that brings up the conversation of what is the appropriate level to which we do involve the children? Because, you know, it sounds like they want to be involved. <laughs> they want to have a say. Yeah. But in a lot of these states, you know, my state, for example, will never take a child's opinion into consideration. Interesting. It's, it's just not, not going to happen. In other states, they have it set for like 13, some as young as nine, some like if we think it makes sense, they're very vague. Um, I mean, really, I guess in my state, it would be ultimately up to a judge's discretion. It's just they tend to follow. Yeah. Um, How likely is that going to happen, right? The past cases. And like if, if there is no base case for that, they're not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. 
It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, like being a, being a stepdad, like I want my son to have a, have a say in it, right? It's his life. It's not mine. Yeah. Right. I don't, I don't pretend to know what's best for him. I just know, you know, I know touching the stove is not a good idea for him. Right. So I, I know, I know immediately within his physical vicinity, what is not good, but in the future, like, and I think, I think more parents would benefit if they thought like this, you don't know what's going to be the best choice for them in the long run. Right. You think, you know, but that does not mean it's going to be right for them. Right. You just have a good guess. That's all it is. It's a, it's a hypothesis and it's a theory. And when you make those decisions of like, I'm withholding my son from going to see his dad for three weeks, uh, because whatever reason it's a theory, right? Unless, unless it's, there's, there's truthful and honest, uh, like physical abuse, emotional abuse, these, you know, unless there's things that are proven, right. And even, and that can come from the child, right. If the child believes that they're being hurt, like absolutely. Right. Trust that child. Um, I think that's another thing that parents struggle with is actually trusting their children when they say, this is what I've been through. Um, or at least in the past, I think it's become a little bit better. I think more parents are becoming more, um, receptive to, to things like that, but you are right though. The power of denial is very strong. And there are a lot of parents who would rather just pretend their kid is absolutely out of their mind than believe the worst truth, which is the truth. Right. And that's, that's why I have a role to play. That's why I'm on TikTok, right? Because people, there's a reason 550,000 people follow me because of things like that, right? Is parents denied their children's right to express themselves, denied their, their, their validating experiences, right? They invalidated their child's experience rather than just allow them to speak or express these things or share these things. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting situation when you look at where we are now, especially with like, with dad's rights and, um, you know, TikTok in general, right? Like you look at the idea of narcissism and how, how much it's blown up over the last two decades, you know, I don't think you ever would have heard the word narcissism before 2000. Right. Yeah. And I, and I'm sure none of my followers want to hear me say this, but I do think it's overused on all sides by everybody. I, I do think it's a bit overused. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I agree. Right. It's, I think it's misunderstood though. Right. I think people say he's a narcissist or she's a narcissist rather than saying this person has narcissistic tendencies. Right. Because there's, there's a difference between a person that is that is narcissistic, has antisocial personality disorder, and a person that has narcissistic tendencies. Everybody, funny. <laughs> everybody has those tendencies in some way, right? My mom used to always tell me, don't tell your brother he's stupid. Tell him he's being stupid. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, it's an important kind of use of the English language or any language of that matter. It's if, if we look at everything as this the epitome of what the definition of narcissist is, then we, we create these people in essence, like then, 
or they're they're becoming the self-fulfilling prophecy right they're they'll fit the prophecy rather than attempt to recreate what they're struggling with because i'm going to be honest with you a lot of people struggle with narcissism or narcissistic tendencies in many aspects mm-hmm. and they don't even know it right people unknowingly manipulate people regardless of whether they're a narcissist or not right and so that manipulation you know- unintentionally can be called narcissism and it there are certainly narcissists out there i will i will be the first to admit that but we have to be very careful about how it's used i've definitely noticed that phenomenon you know i've i've always said that most people will are not the type to necessarily manipulate you and take advantage of you however a lot of us are the type where when constantly given avenues to walk all over a person, if you make it very easy, it will also be very easy for them to start taking advantage of you. You know, just little things. If you always clean the cat box and you never talk about cleaning the cat box, that has become your chore. <laughs> yeah. right? right. Right. No one talks about it. It's just your chore now. <laughs> right. A little, a small example of how like, we don't even think about it. Right. Yeah. That's or, funny you say that. <laughs> or, or like the, you know, if you, if you show someone that you're good at something, guess what? You're going to be doing that a lot more because you know, that like, it's, it's like the workplace, right? Like if, if you're the best one in the workplace, if you're the hardest working person, in the workplace, guess what? You're going to get abused and everybody else is going to get breaks, you know, like yep. lazy people, almost get rewarded more than the the person that is actually doing most of the work. I say that all the time when someone's like, oh, we really want you to deal with this client because they're really hot. And I'm like, I wish that I was not such a good person. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise I wouldn't have to deal with this. Right. Like I wish, I wish I didn't have so many trauma responses for me making, you know, <laughs> choosing to do hard work rather than just take a break, you know? It's, but yeah. But going back to you know how how really realistically most people are not narcissists, while we all exhibit a little bit of you know that ego flare up here and there. Like one of the things that I would love to do more on my channel is share a bit more co-parenting content and kind of getting that idea in that really the idea of the deadbeat dad, the guy who really does not want to be around and does not want to pay nothing is really about as common as the mom who's not going to let you see your child just because they hate you. Both of those scenarios are so rare and it's not fair to paint either side with any kind of broad stroke. Yeah. So, you know, that's step one to kind of disassembling the notion. But, you know, where I was saying that presumed shared physical custody would be a good start is because the alternative presently, as it is in most states, is the presumption of sole custody, meaning two parents are walking into the courtroom and one parent leaves and the other leaves a visitor. And and that creates a whole new dynamic in the parenting game, right? Now there's a hierarchy. Mm -hmm. Now there's a complete 
imbalance. Yeah. And and let's pretend that we just walk away with that. And we we accept our fate, and we you know still aspire to be the best father that we can. In spite of that, it's uh it's asking a lot. <laughs> it's, it's it's assuming that those two parents walk in to a system that creates them as equals. That that in that assumption is what I think is probably failing, right? Like if, if two people walk in, right, a man and a woman walk in as ex-husband, ex-wife, most systems from at least my experience, and I'm sure you can kind of support this, the system always favors women. And so it's, it's already assuming that hierarchy before you even walk in the door. And so that, that hierarchy is the women uh, receive more, I, I don't even know, like receive more, whether it's support or legal kind of precedence than the men. And what if that's just not the real truth? What, what if that's not the actual truth? And yet, because it assumes that women are, are a higher legal precedence, rather than on equal terms, then men automatically get failed in the system. And I've seen this, I've seen this many times, I've had many friends, um, you know, in terms of like alimony, or, or even child support, like, they'll, they'll have their job, and the the alimony will be this much or the child support will be this much. And then they get a second jump to like support and pay for like to give themselves extra to, to con- like not just support their children, but to support their own life. Yes. And then the, the mother will take them back to court to get more money out of the second job. And the, and then mm-hmm. that will, that will automatically reign true for the judge because the system favors women and it fundamentally destroys this this guy's life because what if he loses the second job or you know and this happened to uh, a friend of mine is he he got taken back to court and that second job was just paying the bills right yeah but then the judge favored the the woman and and got more money and he's like Dylan, I don't know what to do. I, I can't, I, this job was literally to pay the rest of our bills. And we, I wasn't prepared for this. I, I'm trying to be a good dad. I'm trying to be there. And yet, like, there, there was just nothing, you know, there was, there was no support for him. There's nothing he could do. You know, I'm just, I, I don't, I didn't know what to do because I don't know law. I don't know the legality, legality of these things. Um, but it's a, it's a terrifying situation to be in as a father because you're like, I'm working my ass off. And then I'm just getting, uh, it's, you feel like a fucking orange. You're just getting squeezed for all your juice. And then you're, you're going to be thrown away 18 years later because your mother, because the mother told, told the kids don't, don't trust your dad. He's a, he's a deadbeat. He's a, he's a piece of shit. And he never paid his, he couldn't pay his child support. Right. Like, even though, you squeeze the life out of them. I've heard that story again and again, you know? And what's even more terrifying is I can't tell you how many times I have heard that exact story from these people who comment on my videos. And it's like, you want to 
know how a person like me gets so many followers in such a short time frame. It's because that unfortunately resonates with so many people. Right. And you have to ask yourself, is that what's best? And, you know, a lot of these guys, like I think of my husband, for example, right? Like we live half a mile away from his son. And the fact that we're not allowed to see him more than every other weekend, you know, fighting us to not even see him more during the summer. And again, like my husband has no abuse, neglect, anything like no, literally no issues. They they have tried to <laughs> tried to get CPS to look into him and everything keeps coming back clean. And it's like every mm. single time we petition the courts in our state, there are these laws that are like, oh, well, if you want any more time, you have to show proper change of circumstance, which means that you have to prove that since the last time you came here and asked for time that the mother has become abusive. And it's like, what? Why yeah. can't the kid just have two fit parents right. and we just see him a little bit more? Why can't 50-50 <laughs> just be the, like, I, that, that doesn't make any sense to me, right? Like why to, to get more time outside of, you know, I would understand that in terms of like 50-50, right? If it's at 50-50 right there, like, you should have to prove, you know, that this this parent is unfit or be or has become unfit to get more, right? To to make it go 80, 80, 20 or 70, 30 or 90, 10, right? Because they don't they're they're harming the child, right? But to get to 50-50, like to go from 30 to 50 or 20 to 50, like that should be that should be. Well, here's exist. the thing is like. I think there's this is the thing too that I think people are really surprised by is that really because like I said in only 11 states is presumed joint custody even a thing and most of them it's presumed sole custody and so 50-50 is really only a thing when both parents agree outside of the courtroom. So if it makes it to a courtroom meaning at either one of the parents did not want to agree to shared then 50-50 is not going to be a thing. And you take my state where, you know, my husband and his ex, very young and in college, that it happens, right? But if you are a single father uh, in, uh, in many states, not just mine, and you are not married to the mother, the mother retains what's called natural guardianship. Mm -hmm. which means that right off the bat, she has sole physical and legal custody. And your job then as the father to establish custody is either hope she gives it to you or you have to provide a proper change in circumstance. Again, that being proof that the parent is unfit. Hmm. And that's damn near impossible. So, and yeah, and if she's a fit mother, then you can't prove she's unfit. And thank goodness the child doesn't have an unfit mother, but now right. she does not have to really let you see that child. Right. And that's just, yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of people would agree with that, that that's just not, that's just not fair. Right. Like if, if you, if you are 
trying to be a part of your child's life in a, in a positive way, you should always have an opportunity. Um, you know, and I think it, it's a, it's a hard, you know, it's always a hard conversation to have. It's always a hard thing to prove. It's always a hard thing to, you know, it's just hard, right? Like trying to, trying to figure all of that out. Like, is there a good system, right? Like, is there, there's certainly we can make this one better, but what problems does that bring up if we change things, right? How, you know, because every system is going to be exploited by people. Yes. And so how, how do you make a system designed to support children 50, 50, um, that is not going to be exploited to the level that this one is right. Like, how do you change that? Yeah. And I think some of the answers are some things that people don't really want to hear, you know, um, one thing I really wish we could work out is there are a lot of parents trying to share parenting while living across the state, you know, not even in the same state as each other. Those are some of the hardest situations to navigate because it it's, I would say, you know, so atypical to what most of us know to just only see one of your parents during the summer. Yeah. It's a, it's a completely different parenting dynamic at that point. And, you know, I'm a little bit biased because like I said, my husband and I, we gave up everything, our careers, our families, our friends, just to be as close as we could. And not everybody wants to do that either way. You know, we've got some parents who are like, I'm the custodial parent, so they need to come to me wherever I go and I can go wherever I want. And then we've got some non-custodial parents who are like, well, I'm going to move away and she better send the kids. Right. And it's, that's one thing I would love to see. And I, I feel like really parents who care got to put that in the parenting agreement, like right off the bat, that's one of the things they need to say is like the other parent cannot move more than 200 miles away, let's say, but really make it hundred, make it a hundred a long way. <laughs> I know I've, I've heard That's what I, that's actually like the best that most courts will, yeah. will grant. There are a lot of exceptions, right? Like, and yeah. there are some of these rural areas where you're not even going to get a well-paying job right. you know, <laughs> any closer, right. but you know, so just, like things to consider, um, trying to put that in the agreement, just stay as close as you can whether you're, you know, co-parenting well and talking all the time or like parallel parenting where you just stick to the court order, but you barely even talk. Yeah. Whatever you got to do to create a consistent schedule where the child is seeing you both regularly. Yeah. I think that is the the most important thing that we've taken out of all of these studies that we've done over the different shared parenting plans is figure out something that is going to be consistent for the child and regular. I also hate it when the parent, one of the non-custodial parents, like just wants to show up whenever they want to. Mm -hmm. And you'll see this for moms and dads who end up the non-custodial parent is they they don't want to stick to their schedule and they just want to, whenever they get a new girlfriend or a new boyfriend or something, that's suddenly when they want to show back up. You gotta, you gotta stay consistent in your kid's life. Yeah. I mean, communication, you know, like in, I think if you're, 
if you're ever in a situation where, you know, whether it's separation or just never, never being parents together in a situation where you, you know, you guys create a baby, but you never have a relationship. Um, I, I think it's, it's really important to create some kind of communication that is functionally, uh, you know, healthy, some kind of communication, right? It, it, if, if you recognize that you both do not do well talking to each other, then, then make it simplified, make it, make it, uh, make it super easy, stupid, simple. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah. Lauren, can you hear me? Sorry. Yeah. We did break up for a second, but I, I'm back. I kind of I'm figured, back. did you catch any of that? Like, <laughs> I apologize. I, uh, I heard you start saying, you know, healthy communication is key. And then that's about it. That's all I said. I just nice, said it in a long, it. long-winded it. form. <laughs> <laughs> gotta well, love thanks virtual, for bearing with me on that. <laughs> virtual podcasts. You got to love them, right? <laughs> I'm glad that it was a quick fix though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it is tough too, because, you know, no one, like no little girl dreams of growing up one day and then raising their child with someone that they are not on good terms with. <laughs> right. That's not, then, uh, that's not Prince Charming, right? But then we have, right. Like step parents like us, like we didn't exactly like dream of our future partners, like already having a child before yeah. us either, you know, like it's weird. And yet more and more, the blended family is becoming the nuclear family. It's mm -hmm. almost like you got to expect it. You know, I was reading some wild statistics from the U S census bureau and apparently 61% of all men over the age of 15 are fathers. Holy cow. Yeah. You said 61%. I have to write this down. 61% of all men over the age of 15 are Whoa. fathers. That's, that's insane. I keep telling people if you're in your thirties and you're still dating, you got to just get ready to become a step parent at this point. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You got to get ready. <laughs> it would be. Cause the odds are against you. <laughs> it, it would be interesting to see the, the numbers on the other side of, you know, I've tried to find and it's for some reason you would think it would be more available, but I couldn't get the exact right number. Maybe I just didn't try hard enough. That's <laughs> uh, it's, it'd be interesting though. That's that's a crazy stat though, sixty one percent. But huh. it's got to mean there's definitely a lot of moms out there. <laughs> oh, for sure, right? For sure. Just a numbers game. Right. <laughs> yeah. How interesting. I. What What are your thoughts on you know? Obviously, you've been a step parent for for quite some time. You've been a mother for quite some time, I imagine. Um, how do you create healthy? boundaries? How do you create, you know, like, here's, here's actually, I'm going to ask you a, a couple big broad questions, right? Like one, you're an influencer, which, you know, you've been doing it for three or four months now, you know, it's, it's probably brand new to you. Um, how do you create boundaries there? How do you create boundaries with, within the family structure, within the, um, you know, as a stepmom, 
right? Like, how do you deal with those kinds of situations? Like you've got a lot of stuff going on right now, um, a lot of different directions and um, maybe we'll save, save the step parent part for a little bit later. Cause I want to have a, a more in-depth conversation about that, but how do you create yeah. boundaries within, within your family? So as far as the content that I create, um, my stepson is too young across all of our agreements to be on any kind of social media. Sure. So he is aware, you know, his dad's been creating content for obviously longer than I have. So he's aware that, you know, we're very creative and we like to create things like that. Um, but he has no access to my stuff. Now, here's the, the truth. Kids are smart and clever and he can't download the stuff on the technology that we provide, but I don't know what happens at school. I don't know if, you right. know, any friends will ever find my channel and show him my content. <laughs> How old is he? 13. 13. So interesting. It could happen. I have had 13 year olds comment on my stuff already. My, my son's 10 and he follows me religiously. <laughs> which is, which is interesting, right? Like I, you know, we, we, we give him the opportunity to have technology because again, like it's kind I think it's, it's a calculated risk, but I think it's important for him. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and this it's, it's up to parents, right? Like this is, this is a choice that, that we make as parents, as we allow him to have technology, we obviously monitor and, and kind of help him understand it. Um, but we don't know what the world is going to look like in 10 years. Right. And his access yeah. to technology might give him an advantage in 10 years to take it somewhere. I don't know. Like, I feel like being an influencer is going to be a more consistent job coming up in the next few years. And if, if that gives him the opportunity, maybe he's not making any videos he can watch. Right. And again, it's something that we monitor and we keep an eye on. Um, so that he's, he's not getting into territory that is mm -hmm. unexplainable. Right. Um, but yeah, it is interesting, you know, to have him kind of following my journey. And, you know, he, he said to me the other day, he's like, I want to be famous. And I'm like, why, why? And he's yeah, like, I can't just be about that. I don't know. And I'm like, well, you're going to have to, you're going to have to want to answer that question before you ever mm -hmm. become famous. Because if you want to become famous to help, like help people change their lives or sell products or whatever it is, whatever reason you want to be famous for, um, if you don't have one, then you're going to get lost in that. Right. Because I've been an influencer for two years now and I don't even like it. Right. Like, <laughs> I, like if I'm being honest, like, I love being an introvert. I could, I could tuck myself away in a woods or yes. gaming or just doing whatever I want to do. Like I would, I could, if I could write and just write for the rest of my life, I probably would do that because it would be away from people. Um, but look what you've done. Right. Like I, <laughs> I also realized that my voice is necessary for people to engage with, to understand how to change their lives and work through all the things that they go, they go through. Um, and, and so I know it's necessary in some ways to 
put a face to the words that are in my book or the writing that I, that I conduct. Um, and so I don't do it because I want to be famous, right? I do it because I want to make a difference in the future for not only my son, but for other people. Um, and so, you know, I had to help him understand that because he would have just tried to be famous to be famous and it would, you, you lose yourself in that. You hurt yourself in that. I think, um, you know, yes. and you said at the beginning, like this, you know, if you want to grow a TikTok, the first seven videos have to be consistent in what you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's so important to help children understand that being famous, you know, being TikTok famous or being Instagram famous or YouTube famous is our, our lofty goals, but they are goals that are focused around trying to find purpose, not just to being famous is not a purpose. It's, it's, uh, I think it's a failure for people. It's a failing point for people, in my opinion, but we, we let them have yeah. technology and we, we kind of offer that as a, as a, you know, a risk versus reward. We'll see where, where he can take it and see if it, it benefits him. If, if not, it doesn't. I have an interesting take on that as a parent, because, you know, I, I've worked in IT for a long time. And one thing I tell parents all the time is you can put as much cybersecurity and protective gear on there as you want. I've seen it all. There is always a way. If there is a will, there is a way that what you need to really be doing more than anything is having those constant conversations with them. Like everything on the internet is forever. Uh, You cannot unsend things as much as they tell you you can't. There are a lot of just all the time, all the time we're talking about that stuff. And and when it comes to screen time, I will say this, you know, growing up, my parents gave me absolute unfettered access to the internet. And as a result, I started learning web design at 12 flash animation, learned how to code loading bars by 13 and play buttons. I was making full menus. I Fun fact, I had a speech impediment and could not say my R's until I was like 13 years old. So I would make my flash animations and I would be recording all of the voices and they would sound oily, uh, ridiculous like this. (laughs) But I did all my own work, did all my own stunts. (laughs) That's awesome. But, you know, obviously it ended up getting me a career that has sustained me and is now also helping sustain me while I use my technical knowledge for (laughs) this brand new side hustle, which again, was never with the intention of accumulating half a million followers. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Like last month, there was times where I'd pick up my phone and go, numbers aren't real. And then I would just put it down because I did not understand what was happening. But it's the fact that I'm so grateful that the audience that I'm building, the platform that I have, the constant projects that I'm now working on are for things that I feel are actually so important. And I'm using my voice and my brain. And it's not because I like 
trick my ass in a crop top. <laughs> right, right. Essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Which is someone who's raising a daughter, you know, when we raise our sons, it's one thing to be like, oh, don't be famous just because you want to like be like Ninja from Fortnite or something. Mm-hmm. With our daughters, there's, you know, other influences that Absolutely. we would rather not, you know, like it's, it's funny growing up with my mom, she always, always pushed education, intelligence way over anything beauty related. Yeah. Beauty was never, ever important to my mom in any way. <laughs> and I thought that was so healthy, Yeah, but it's hard I, to avoid that. I'm, I'm about to have a baby girl in June. So this, this conversation means, Gemini. you know, it means the world to me because I, I want to understand, I want my, I want my child, whether, whether boy or girl, and I try and do this with my son as well, but I want my child to understand beauty, not on an aesthetic level, but a genuine, authentic level of what do you consider beauty, right? And, and to have the creative, uh, the creative freedom to, to understand that on their own level, right? And develop that, not not looking, I, I, I do, I have to do this with my son all the time because 10 year old boys, it, it is a, it is a hard time for them because all they want to do is listen to their, what their friends say. Right. And I have to step in and say, why do you care what other people think? Right. Like why? Because that's all he seems to do it sometimes. I'm like, I have to ask him, I have to prompt the question for him so that he starts thinking, why do you have to care what people think? is this, do you think this friend is going to stick around for the rest of your life? Or do you think you have, if, are there undesirable differences between you two that you struggle with? Well, if there's differences now, do you think those differences are going to resolve themselves? You know, and I, and we have these conversations and we, we push into territory that he's like, I don't want to talk about this, but you know, it, it, it helps him understand. And, and certainly this is where I'm going to take you know, I'm going to offer the same questions to my daughter when I, when I get the chance of, you don't have to appease people, right? You don't, I, I tell my son, you don't even have to appease me. You don't have to make me happy, right? I love you for just who you are. And it's, it's important that you don't have to perform for me, right? You don't have to act for me. You don't have to, if, if I ask you, how is your day? And you tell me good, I, I think I'm doing something wrong because you're not being honest with me, right? Because I'm pretty sure there's going to be days where it's not good. And if you feel like you have to tell me like it's good and act in front of me, then we're not having a relationship that's authentic and genuine and honest, right? And whether that's your fault or my fault doesn't matter. It's, It's about connecting and getting past that bullshit and actually having the conversation of like, are you struggling with something? You know, and, and he's, he is getting a lot better at it because, um, you know, we've had, you know, I don't know how much you know about me. Obviously you've watched some of my content. I've have a history of suicide, right? My, my dad committed suicide when I was six and I almost committed suicide when I was, when I was 25, my son knows about both of those things, right? My son knew about those things when he was six because he asked me about those things, right? He asked me about my dad because my dad obviously isn't around. Um, and I told him at that age, did he understand? No, right? And so yeah. he, 
He went and told people because that's what they do. But at the time, I'm comfortable, right? I'm comfortable with having those conversations and whatever he tells them, I don't care because they'll come to me and they'll ask me or they'll judge me and I don't care, right? But I have constant conversations about these things with my son to the point where he knows he can come have those conversations without judgment. And not enough kids are getting that. And I, I can't stress enough how important it is. I think back at my own childhood and my parents are still together, mind you, but I had a very different relationship with them growing up. And I was always closer to my dad. And one of the reasons for that was that my mom always felt the need to never, ever show me her flaws. She wanted me to see her as she only got good grades. She only listened to her parents. She always went to church on Sundays and she always said her prayers before bed and before every meal. And that's, that's your mom. And that's the expectation. And she thought that that would naturally make me, you know, respect her more. But it was the fact that my dad was the one who was willing to open up to me at at young, impressionable ages and kind of tell me more about some of those parts of his life of overcoming drug addiction and losing his best friend to a heroin overdose in the car after they had planned to once again go to the local ranch in Texas and look under cow pies to find mushrooms. Like, told me about just the absolute dark bottom, rock bottom of his life. Yeah. And that's when I knew that I had someone that I could go to if I was ever getting there. And I, I always have been able to ever since truth, truth matters to kids. Right. I, I, I learned that at a young age, I learned that at six years old, my mom was able, I I don't know how she did it. And you know, she's actually coming over tomorrow. So I'm going to have this conversation with her, but um, I don't know how she had the foresight or the understanding. Maybe it was blind luck, but she, she told me the truth, right? My dad committed suicide. And the next day when, you know, we, we woke up and she, she took us to my grandma's to grieve with everybody to, to break the news with everybody. Um, She told me, you know, at, at a six-year-old boy, you know, losing that, that's a, that's a hard loss. Um, And, and she told me the truth. She told me about, um, I don't know exactly when it might've been within the next few years where she told me that, but it was, she told me about the drug, you know, the drugs, she told me about the alcoholism. She told me about, you know, I knew about the smoking. Um, but he, he was, he struggled, right. He struggled with depression. He struggled with, he was potentially about to be diagnosed with bipolar. Um, there were like, there was severe childhood trauma in his life. I didn't learn that until many years later, but, my mom was honest with me up front at, at a young age. And it was, it was something that allowed me to kind of develop perspective. You know, my mom was a single mom for, for pretty much all of our childhood from that point on, uh, or well, after, after the next man, um, which he, he abused me, but she never knew. And once she found out, that, that he had abused me, um, and my sister, it was, we were out. Right. And so, thank goodness. Right. And you know, my mom, my mom's been a hero to me in many ways. She's been, she's been 
someone that has always, when she recognized that things were bad or things were wrong or things were not going well, she acted, right? Not just sat around, you know, it wasn't blind obedience. It was, she enacted, a, a, you know, she moved, she made, she started movement and she conducted what she needed to do to, to take care of the situation. She was honest about things. Um, if I ever asked my mom a question, um, however hard it was, she always answered, you know, and, and I, that's one thing I really, I think always admired about my mom, um, is, is just her, her respect for the truth. And even, even as a kid, you know, it was, it was something that, that fundamentally built me at the same time, because of what I had been through, I had learned to lie to myself and to lie to others for, you know, the 19 years between my dad's suicide and my own. Um, and when I looked back, I think my mom was the person that I saw the most. And res I, I started to really respect the truth when I, when I started looking at why I was in the situation I was in at 25, um, really digging into honesty was, was a remarkable transformation for me. And I think my mom had a lot to do with that. So I, I, I can't understate the power of, um, or I can't overstate the power of the truth with, with children. I think it's just so important. Yeah. And it's, and it's about finding the perfect balance between being transparent with them and preserving that innocence in them for as long as possible. So, yes. you know, there, there are issues behind the scenes and in the, the co-parenting yep. lives, but you know, we, we really don't want him to worry about that because yep. he is most comfortable when he feels like everything is gold. And, and there are things yep. that, especially as he gets older, he's aware of, you know, I wish, I wish that his voice could be taken into consideration, right? Because mm -hmm. he knows what he wants at this point. And it, he also knows that it doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we do our best to one of the things that we always tell him is if you're not here, it's never because you're not wanted here. Yep. That's the most important piece to take away. We're not going to explain to you how all these systems work yep. or anything like that. All of your parents love the heck out of you. And we are going to make every moment we have with you magical, right? Okay. Maybe yeah. not every moment you got to clean your room, but like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we're, we, we love the moments. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, it is, it is very, very much about being tactical about, about the truth as well, especially with kids. Um, I, I absolutely agree. You know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have outright told my son about what I had been through without him asking. Right. I, yeah. I will, I will never, um, I will never lie to him. Um, you know, it's always, it's always like, if you ask me the question, you're, you're going to get the truth and you're going to get a, a very, hopefully a good understanding of why the truth matters or how to explain the truth. You know, if you don't understand something, I'm going to help you understand it. And we're going to have a conversation about it another day as well. 
to make sure that you kind of are, are tracking on what it actually means and not taking it in a way that's, uh, that can be misunderstood like I did, right? I, I took a lot of things that were said in my childhood after my dad died um, to very bad places. And that's simply because there, were, there was no follow-up conversations. There was no one, you know, at the time, my mom's a single parent, right? There's no one to talk to that had any perspective in the matter. So um, it, it, it's necessary to have two parents. It really is, right? Whether, whether, or not, um, whether or not it's biological, right? I think you, you yeah. could probably understand this as a step-parent, right? Whether or not it's biological doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think a, a non-biological parent can step in and really offer a perspective, you know, the opposing perspective, right? Women have a perspective and men have a perspective. We're, we're very, uh, we're very directional in our, and, and we're not, we don't always cross those directions very, very, very easily. Um, so it's important to have those opposing kind of pieces of the spectrum to understand, uh, you know, as a, as a kid, um, and it, and it becomes really hard if you don't have them, right? You, you start to miss things. Um, and, it, and in adulthood, what I find is that it's harder to piece things together when you grow up with a single parent, you know? It, it's so interesting because even though my stepson, it depends on how you define single parent, right? But even though he didn't necessarily grow up with a, any single parents necessarily, they, they were always both involved very heavily right off the bat um it was just interesting because i I noticed that you don't do call your stepson just son does he call you dad as well yeah yeah. he calls me dylan a lot oh really yeah yeah Yeah, Yeah. he started he started you know when he first met me he called me dylan um because he couldn't pronounce it else and i loved it i was i was kind of miss lauren (laughs) I know I, I miss, I miss those days when you would call me that, but he, he calls me, he calls me dad every once in a while, um, whether it's a a, a slip or intentional, he, he does. Um, I just call him my son. The only reason I I say stepson here is because just to identify like the context. Yeah. But yeah, which is typically how it is for me, Yeah, but you know, he he does call me mom and that was by no influence of me saying like how about you do this because when I first came into this role especially because his mom is obviously involved you know I made sure everyone knew I'm not trying to replace anybody I'll just be like the fun uncle you know (laughs) don't worry about me but it was after the wedding and he came like busting in and he was like you're married now. I'm so happy because I can call you mom. And I was like, but can you without me ending up in a body bag is the question I'm not sure of. Right. Those were pretty uncharted waters for me, but then this kid practically had a PowerPoint presentation. He had all these reasons for why he should be able to. And one of the big ones was he was like, well, I've always wanted to live in a house where I can say mom and dad. And I was just like, yeah, you can't, oh, can't say no. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> Do what you want. I'll, if my key get, car gets keyed, then <laughs> yeah. so be it. <laughs> I, you know, I, I grew up without a dad, right? I never had really a real father, father figure in my life. And so when I, 
when I came into this situation with, with my wife, I, I looked at it this way. I am just going to be me. I'm going to be Dylan. If you want to call me dad, you can. Um, there will be no influence on whether you call me that or not. That's completely yeah. up to him. Um, because if someone had come into my life, I would have rejected them knowing, you know, looking at that because I, I didn't trust, I didn't trust men in the beginning of my life because of my dad. Um, and so I walked in not to, not to expect him to do anything for me. Um, I came in to earn it. Right. And if I earned that yeah. place with him, awesome. If I didn't, I I'll, I'll die trying because I, I care about my wife and I care about everything she cares about, right? <laughs> Obviously she cares about her son. So I'm going to care about her son. Um, I don't do that for my wife. I, I, I love him, for right. him, but you know, that's when you, when you date a single mom as a man, like that's kind of how you have to approach it is like, you better love what she loves. And if she's a single mom, that kid is her life, right? That, that child is everything to her. And if you don't love the child, you might want to just step away right now because that's not fair to her, right? Because exactly. There are not many things that I'm very black and white about, but I think that choosing to date someone who is a parent, there is no gray area. You need nope. to either be 100% in yep. or 100% out. Don't and it's around. okay if you realize that it's not for you and you're not going to be able to love that child the way that they're going to need you to. And you're going to resent that child. If there's any part of you that thinks that that's okay, but you can't stay in that relationship. Right. You got to be honest. It's okay to have those boundaries and to say, I don't date parents. It's 100% okay to say that. Well, it's, uh, it's okay for, it <laughs> it's okay for us, you know, but there's people out there. It's not okay for, and that's, that's something you have to face, right? Like, un unfortunately, you're not going to please everybody, right? Mm -hmm. What, what I think you're trying to say is just make sure you understand that it's okay when you're dating, because if, if you succumb to people that are trying to force you to appease them, um, because you, you don't date parents, like, then you got to tell them to fuck off because it, yes, like you, you, you can fundamentally cause a lot of trauma, a lot of hardship for a, a parent or a child. Um, if you walk into it, knowing that you're not comfortable, um, mm -hmm. and you follow through, right? Like it, it can be really harmful. Um, so if, if anybody's trying to tell you to, you know, you know, you Just give another chance. Or, yeah, if you know, there's a there's a big difference too between. Have you heard of as a step parent the idea of nacho parenting? No. This is a this is the concept where step parents they do nacho parenting, which is nacho kid, nacho problem, <laughs> <laughs> and it's basically it's the idea. Yeah, it's the idea of like, well, I'm just the step parent. Like if, you know, this is your child, I'm going to be completely hands off. And sometimes a lot of step parents feel they have to take that approach, especially when they have their a partner who does not want to accept help. And I, it probably doesn't sound it's... like you're like this, but well... there are some parents who 
do not want their partner to do any disciplinary measures or make any executive yeah. decisions. So it's it's not that she wasn't like that. Um, it's my wife was used to being a single mom. And so I yeah. think I think what's common, especially now, is that um, women who have been single moms for a long time, which is quite common, um, have have a really hard time turning it off. Um, and so one of the biggest struggles that me and my wife had was trying to help our son understand where my role was, because every time that I said like, Hey, you can't do this. He would just go to her. Right. And be and like, are you sure? <laughs> exactly. And, and, and not only that, but like, if I was too hard on him in any way, he would just go to her and then nothing, there would be no respect towards what I was actually trying to say, mm -hmm. you know, and, and in the beginning, it's so important to, you know, if you're going to date a single mom, it's so important to, you know, I'm talking about the male perspective, but it's so important to have that communication about, Hey, what, what are we determining is right and wrong for the kid? And where is too much and too little discipline, right? Like I, I will not abuse a child. I will never hit a child. I was hit as a child. I know what that feels like. And I know what it does to a kid. Um, it does not benefit children. I, I like, because ultimately what you're doing is you're benefiting yourself temporarily for their expense in the long term, right? When you hit a child, you teach them a, a level of pain that is okay, that they then take to extremes as an adult. And, yep. and then if they continue that abuse, guess what? They're going to abuse their kids and their kids are going to abuse their kids potentially. And you're never breaking the cycle of abuse. You're never breaking, you know, you're never teaching them to communicate effectively. You're teaching them to communicate through violence. You're teaching them to communicate through, uh, through mental, physical, emotional abuse, rather than having, you know, having the ability to sit with your child and communicate, Hey, this is what I don't like what you're doing and tell them, have them talk to you about what they're doing right or wrong. You know, it's just so important to have those conversations as, uh, as two, you know, two parents, whether it's a uh, stepmom or stepdad, it doesn't matter. You have to have the conversation about saying, you need to allow me the, the opportunity to be a part of this as a parent, even though I'm yeah. not actually, actually I'm a nacho parent, right? Like I, 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 th I think a lot of people become nacho parents because that, that conversation is never you know, bridged, if that makes sense. Exactly. And it's so unrealistic to think that you can continue a real partnership with a person and not establish yourself or ever retain any kind of parental role, right? Because again, like I said, your, your job, if that other parent is present, is not to replace anybody. You are a bonus figure. However, you can't just be on the back burner while the whole house is in chaos around you. <laughs> yeah. You can't just be 
you know, it's, it's the un, it's the unconscious kind of, uh, I don't even know how to, how to explain it. It's the unconscious behaviors of, right. For, for me and me and my wife, it was the unconscious kind of, uh, of attention that he would get every time that I would have a conversation with him. Right. It was, he, he responds in a different way that she doesn't recognize because she's used to, to how she disciplines or, or how she takes care of the, the situation. And so um, it was never a, you know, cause I would, I would sit with him, right. Rather than put him in a timeout in the corner, I would say, have a seat and I would sit with him and I would sit with him for 20, 30 minutes. Right. Because until you, until you're able to emotionally regulate yourself and sit with me and have a conversation, we're not done. Right. Um, yeah. And, and so she was uncomfortable with that because it was, it was different and she could see that he was uncomfortable. And I was like, but he's fine. Right. Like he's not, he's not going to die. Right. He, he might be emotionally not happy with where he's at right now because he'd rather be playing with toys, but I can guarantee you that he's learning right now how to sit with another person in an uncomfortable situation and, and, and just sit. Right. And, and then eventually what we get to is that he's uncomfortable, he's upset, he's angry, you know, he's whatever. And then he has the right to explain it because I offer them, I, I'm like, listen, uh, when, whenever you are ready, I want you to explain to me what you're feeling. That's it. And that's it. And he would take five, 10 minutes, then he'd explain. And then we'd have a conversation about, Hey, this is why you can't throw, uh, you know, a, a, a baseball at, in the, in the living room, because there's a window and there's a TV or, you know, like simple things, right. There's a computer right there. We probably shouldn't do this, you know, and I know you're upset, but it's, you're going to break things. I'd love to take you outside and do this or something like that, you know, but it was, it was the, the behaviors of, you know, my wife getting upset about, you know, you're keeping him there, him too long. He doesn't have the attention span. He doesn't even understand what you're talking about. I'm like, you're probably right, but he will. Right. So he, funny. I, I feel like I've had these same exact conversations right. with my husband when he's doing something different from the way that I would do it. And what's really funny is when you're a step parent and I don't know if your stepson's biological father is involved, how often he is, how he is. what your role is that it you I don't know if you've had these moments where you find that some of the disagreements that they might have as co-parents you will have on a parallel timeline as people who are married to each other and are actively in love. And you're like, wait a minute. It's almost like some of these problems you're going to come across no matter what. Yeah. And in a way that's, that almost helps soften the blow of the whole co-parenting thing. Because if you can kind of sit back and think like, this is going to be painful no matter what, yeah. then it almost makes that kind of stuff easier to tackle, right? Like whether it's, you know, you, her partner that she's in love with taking on a new approach that she's not used to, or the, the child's father, who's another important character in his life doing something she's not used to so much 
of parenthood is taking the onus off yourself in a lot of ways and taking the ego separation from you and your child and acknowledging this child is not just my property and my thing to worry about. This is a child I brought into everyone else's world. And they're going to meet so many people who will have so many different influences and impacts on their life. Got to let that happen. I mean, to really while keeping them safe, while keeping them safe. Right. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. And that's, you know, that was, that's always been a discussion, you know, in, in our household, it's, it's, and I, I, I even help my son understand that it's like, your dad's going to have an impact on you. You know, his, his wife is going to have an impact on you. You know, their, their child is going to have an impact on you and our child, right? Like his, his, uh, his sister that is coming is going to have an impact on him. He's 10 years old. And this child is yeah, a shepherd now 10 years younger. Got a whole that, flock going that he's got. Right. <laughs> and I, and I've, I've talked to him. I'm like, I'm like, listen, <laughs> there's going to be times where we're not going to have time as like we've, we've had for you. And we're not always going to notice that. And what I need from you is I need you to notice that. And I need you to say something about that. Right. Because I, I can't always be the perfect parent. I can't always be the perfect guy to say, Hey, let's go, let's go throw the ball. Right. I need you to be able to step up because I'm not going to be able to do what I need to do sometimes because I'm going to be tired because I'm going to be exhausted. Mom's going to be exhausted and I need your help. Right. I, I know that you need stuff that I can provide. And I know you, I know mom has stuff that she can provide. I need you to be honest enough to ask for it. Right. And I'm having those conversations with him now. And I'm also telling him like, there's going to be things that it's probably just going to be easier for you to do yourself. And I would love to teach you, right? Like I would love to help you. Um, But helping you during having a baby is going to be really hard on all of us. So let's see if we can figure this stuff out now. Right. And I'm preparing him for that. And, you know, we'll see where that goes. But I, I, I always want to be honest with him. I know it's going to be it's going to be a challenge for all of us to, to have a baby, but it's going to be a beautiful thing for, um, you know, me and my wife. And I hope it's not hard on him, you know, cause I don't, I don't know what that's going to be like for him, but yeah, I admire you stepping up and kind of setting that preliminary groundwork for trying to avoid that because yeah. that was such a, a conscious thought in my mind going into my pregnancy after meeting my stepson as well was, you know, honestly, I I have to admit, I was not, I didn't know if I would ever become a biological parent. Um, You know, looking at those two lines on a stick three months before the wedding uh, was not exactly in in the the cards. (laughs) Thankfully, I was not showing, can't tell at all, nailed it. But, (laughs) (laughs) but, you know, it was in, at that moment, I already knew that there was going to be no difference in the love between these children. Cause they both kind of like slammed into my life in the same surprise torpedo way. Right. <laughs> Just happy, happy yep. surprises that showed up for me. And I, I knew I would love them the same, but I also knew that my work was only beginning to make sure that he knew that. Yeah. I think it's going to be a lot easier for the one that I have more of the time to, to recognize that they're loved, you know, right. get to color more often, right. but 
with him, you know, we're, we're constantly working on making sure that we maintain our own thing, right? We have our own connection, our own bond. And thankfully the age gap kind of helps with that, right? There's always going to be stuff that I can talk to him about as a 13 year old that she doesn't know half those words are. Right, right. Now I, it's, it's a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a new level for me of understanding. Cause I was in the same boat as you. Like, I didn't think I'd ever be a biological parent because I never thought I'd live past 25, you know, let alone 30. And now here I am, I'm about to turn 32 next week. Um, you know, and it's, it's a remarkable situation for me. And I know that I am never going to be the best parent if I don't listen to the, you know, the person that determines whether I'm the best parent, right? Like the kid, right. the kids tell you whether you're a good parent or not. You don't tell you whether you're a good parent or not. And I think, I think that's a really harsh reality you know, <laughs> going back to who these, who these audiences are on TikTok, And we're really getting to hear from, from the children now. Yeah. There's a lot of tough pills to swallow going yeah. on. Yeah. And you gotta, you gotta pay attention, right? Like if, if you don't listen to your child, you're probably not a good parent, right? If you don't observe your child, you're probably not a good parent. Um, and I, I'm going to be the first to tell you there's times in my, in, in my existence right now where I struggle with it, where I don't have enough time because I'm doing all of this stuff. Um, right now he's not here, but I don't have time and, and it's a struggle sometimes. And I know like, but that's when you, there's times where you have to make time and you have to have those conversations. And I try and make every, every conversation I have with him, I try and make it meaningful. I I don't try and, I don't try and bullshit it. I don't try and, um, there are times where I, you know, come on, man, you got to go to bed. Like, I would love to sit here and talk for three hours, but you have school tomorrow. We've got to, <laughs> you've got to get some sleep, but I'm, I'm willing to stay up an hour with him, an extra hour with him to have that meaningful conversation rather than force him to go to bed. Um, that's something that I've had to work on. Cause I'm like, go to bed. Like I'm tired. Like I want to, <laughs> I want to go hang out with, you know, your mom now and, and have some alone time with her. But that's definitely something that I've kind of had to learn is recognizing that when he wants to talk isn't always convenient, but if you make, if you make it convenient, it's, it's probably one of the most beneficial things you can do for him, you know? Ah, and I also feel like, and, and this is such a huge part of what has led to this whole advocate platform is it's also having seen how the limited time with his son has affected my husband oh yeah it makes you cherish every moment you have with your child so much more yeah because it's like so much of it just slips through and so quickly and they're so i, I one thing i say a lot is you may not need your ex anymore right? For anything, finances, running the household emotionally, you may not need them for anything, but that doesn't mean the child does not need them. 
Right. And, you know, I'm getting comments now on my TikTok. One, I will never forget it. I screenshot it. I posted it on my Instagram, but it was a young man who said, I love my mother, but I may never fully forgive her for all the time that she kept me away from my father out of spite. Yeah. And it's stuff like that that hits really hard because like you said, never would I discount the mothers who truly have escaped horrific abusive situations and are doing what they need to do to yeah. protect their child. Right. Um, I can tell you right now, that's not the reason that my husband is not seeing his son more. Yeah. And, and that's also a lot of, a lot of men's cases and a lot of these children's cases. Right. Yeah. And it's tragic. It is, it is truly, it's truly tragic, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely what, you know, one of the things that I've learned to understand is it's, you don't get to determine whether you're a good parent or not. You know, I, I heard Jordan Peterson talk about this the other day. It's like, you know, don't do your best. Or maybe it was, wasn't Jordan Peterson. Maybe it was, uh, uh, God, what is it? Um, Sven. He's a I big, was going to say, yeah, Sven, yeah, yeah. Not Jordan Peterson. Sorry, I'm reading Jordan Peterson's book. So he's, he's in my head too. Um, but Sven, I saw that one. Yeah. Like, don't do your best. Like, like learn from people as to what your best looks like in their eyes. You know, I, I think that was kind of the basis of the message is like, stop trying to be the best you can be and be the best for them. Right? Yeah. Cause he does a lot of therapeutic work with parents and children who Bad are experiencing, yeah, experiencing a lot of yeah. trauma. And he said that when he's talking to, you know, the parents of these children who are complaining, they're having these major issues. One of the, the number one thing that these parents always say is, well, I did my best. Yeah. And it's funny how that looks for every parent. Yeah, it's not good enough. <laughs> Don't we all think we're doing our best, right? But yeah. how honest are we really being with ourselves? Right. Like I mentioned at the start of this podcast, denial is a hell of a drug. Yeah, it is. It really is. And that's, you know, it perspective, right? Like perspective is the, is the antidote to denial. You know, it, it's, it's a lonely place, right? I, I literally, I have a text platform that I just sent this out on, you know, perspective is a lonely place. It's a very lonely place. And, and what that means is that you're going to have to leave behind many to, to gain the, the respect of a few, you know, and, and realistically, you're going to have to look at how other people look at you to fully, you know, dismiss your own denial and understand how they look at you, validate their feelings and respect whether that's a truth or not, you know, because it may not be, it may require communication. It may require explanation or expansion of, of their own perspective, but there's a lot of things that you could probably do that you just don't have the perspective to see within yourself. And I know this, right? And this is why I connect with people like you and people like everyone else that comes on my podcast. So I can start learning, you know, different pieces of the whole functional puzzle and start putting it together and start determining whether my ideas are actually functional. Like, are they working for you? Seems to be, 
that's why we're connecting, right? And so, you know, I'm trying to build not only my knowledge so that I can share with other people, but also like, I want to be a good dad, right? Yeah. You know, like I, I really do. I, I want to, I want to give my, my little girl who's stepping into a, a world full of tragedies that can befall her, right? As a young woman, um, I want her to, I want to give her the best, the best I can. I want to prepare her in the best way possible. I'm going to make her a little savage if I can. Um, that's important and, and prepare her to defend herself from whatever, you know, whatever may come. Right. I don't want her to appease people. I want her to appease herself and support herself and create an identity that's strong enough to mesh with someone that sees her as an equal, right? Like that's something that I do to my wife, right? I I very much see my wife as an equal. I'm, I'm not superior to her. She's not superior to me. We're, we're two equal people trying to do, you know, trying to build a life together of that's beautiful, right? Like I, I, I love her so much, you know, and it's, it's so important for children to see that equality and not just like, I don't talk down to my wife. I don't, I don't act like she's uh, worthless. I don't, I don't ever, I, I hope that she never thinks that that I look at her in any other way than she like I almost put her on a pedestal in many ways but I know she I recognize that she treats me as an equal as well so like there's there's just an, a very fundamentally important relationship to respect within within our relationship yes. and I want my I want my daughter to see that you know just like my, I want my son to see it but you know it's yeah, I mean it's it's just such a I, I want to learn. I want I want more perspective to make sure that I'm prepared for what's to come. And I think if you're gonna become a parent, if you are a parent, I think perspective is just the thing that you need to get used to because it's gonna hurt. You're gonna hurt your kid. <laughs> I don't care who you are, right? At some point you're gonna hurt your kid's feelings. Um, and do you want to validate them or do you want to dismiss them? Because if you don't have perspective, you're going to dismiss them and that's not going to be beneficial to you. Oh yeah. And apologizing does not take away any of your power. It will only make them respect you more. Right. Absolutely. Well, Lauren, what do you think? We've been, we've been at this for almost two hours. I know we've been flowing. (laughs) And we could probably keep going for another two hours. Um. I don't, I don't know what time it is there for you, but we could probably let's, let's wrap this up. We yeah. Should, let's end on a, on a high note here. We should definitely uh, come back together at some point again and, and, and do, do some more, uh, more discussion, maybe bring some other people into it, see if we can have some kind of um, panel discussion. I think that's definitely in the cards for 2022, but yeah. Let me, let me fi- finalize this with the with the question that I know you've been pondering for the last two hours. If there was a message you could leave the world, what would it be? I would just say to always always remember that it is a large earth, but a very small world. And that means the truth is always going to come out. And you never know who 
you're going to be affecting with what. Absolutely. So just make the whole thing, your kitchen, your canvas, and your playground. <laughs> yep. Have fun. Absolutely. Well said. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Lauren, for, for being here. I really appreciate you coming on. I, I love this discussion. Um, it's, it's awesome to talk to a fellow step parent and have like yeah. that, that relatable kind of discussion, because that's not always something that, you know, I, I just don't have a lot of discussions with step parents, you know, it's such a relief to meet such a good one too, who like checks all the bingo oh, boxes of right. what you're supposed to be doing. And like, this is like even more than what you're supposed to be doing. Yes. You're doing them all. Well, my, my son will determine if I'm good, but I, I definitely appreciate the sentiment of what I think I'm doing is good. Um, but yeah, I, again, I appreciate that. Um, and I, I can only, I can only assume the same that, that you are as well, a, a good step parent. So Thank you for every dang day, right? (laughs) Working hard out here. (laughs) Uh, Thank you again, guys. Thanks for joining me. It's been episode 26. If you haven't followed by now, go ahead and follow. Um, If you haven't followed Lauren on TikTok, go ahead and check her out. It's the underscore dadvocate. Um, Everything else, all of her other links will be down in the description below. Um, And yeah. Thanks again for watching, and we'll see you next time on The Dylan Experience. Boom.